Hello, I'm Joshua Graceberg. And I'm Jacob Friedman. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful, definitely non-Twitter commentary and a side helping of comedy. Hello, everyone. Today, we'd like to introduce some guests from the podcast, The Unprofessional Analyst, Julian. Julian is from Los Angeles, California. It's a pleasure to have him on the show. Julian, welcome. Thank you, Jacob, and thank you, Joshua, for having me. Um, so, yes, um, I, I do host a podcast with my friend, Yihan Zhu. Um, we're from Southern California. Um, we started, so like Joshua and Jacob, we are, Yihan and I are part of um, Gen Z. And the reason, a reason as to why we started our, our podcast, The Unprofessional Analyst, was because at our high school, we found, um, we found it difficult to find other people who were um, willing to have a discussion on current events or politics or government. So, and we, Yihan and I realized that um, a lot of people would find the news very boring. Um, so Yihan and I created our podcast just to um, sort of give the news, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, to, to other members of Gen Z. But, but yeah. So Julian, we're going to post a link in the, in the description on our, on our social media, but where can, where can our listeners find your podcast? Um, as of now, they can, they can find it only on Spotify, but um, in the, in the next few days, uh, Yohan and I are planning to, to uh, establish our podcast on a few other platforms such as Apple podcasts or Podbean. but yes. Yeah. Oh, just for, so for now, just on Spotify. So I guess now we're ready to move into our first topic, which is uh, Amy Coney Barrett. So as you know, uh, currently the hearings for Trump's uh, court pick, Amy Coney Barrett, are currently being held in the Senate. And um, we were wondering what your thoughts were on her nomination. So I, obviously it is um, constitutional, it is within the president's scope of powers to nominate uh, obviously, a Supreme Court judge after an opening on 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 the Supreme Court. Um, however, I do think that while I do I I do commend the get right get right down to business attitude. Um, I do think that um, the 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 conservatives should not or the Republicans should not have rushed to to. Um, nominate and seat Amy Coney Barrett because I don't know if you guys remember but literally within an hour of the announcement of the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, Mitch McConnell stated um, that he would get right down to business in seating a conservative Supreme Court judge Mm -hmm. so I think that I think that obviously the, the seat has to be filled but I think that it's that we shouldn't you know be rushing it so so do you guys think that just wondering because I've heard a lot of different stances on this question. Do you guys think that the that it that the government should have waited to seat a Supreme Court judge until for they, sh- they should have waited after the election, so that way whoever um, wins should have seated the Supreme Court judge? Or what do you guys think? I think that um, I think in terms of president, Republican president in 2016 when Obama won to nominate Merrick Garland, the Republicans said, you know what, let's wait until after the election, and whoever wins can then pick the Supreme Court nominee. 
who can convict the Supreme Court uh, judge. And the fact that they're now reversing their opinion on that and trying to rush in Amy Coney Barrett as fast as possible is, I really don't like that at all. And I think it's terrible that the Republicans aren't following their own precedent. So hmm. all in all, I just don't think this process should have been rushed. Sam, even if we, even if we take, even if we, if we give them the benefit of the doubt and say that, okay, it's a different party that occupies Congress than the White House. And that's the reason why the Biden rule was put in place. Even if we give them the benefit of the doubt on that, there's no denying, and we've had video, video evidence of Lindsey Graham and also all Republican senators coming out and saying that it, and if Trump, if there's a vacancy in election year and it's Trump's term, and Lindsey Graham says in 2018, it's Trump's term and he has to pick a Supreme Court justice in election year, the Senate will not allow him to do that. They'll, they'll stick to their gut. They'll stick to their original message. And there's video evidence of Lindsey Graham saying that in 2018. Mm-hmm. So I, I, agree, I, I agree, Joshua. This is, this is a complete, this is a complete decim- decimation of, of congressional norms that they themselves have set up. It, it's pure, it's raw political calculus and quite ruthless. And but how about, just disheartening. But how about you, Julian? Do you think that the Republicans should have waited? The Republicans now should have waited until whoever Trump or Biden won the election, or do you think that you know they should have taken that move? No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you guys. I think that I think that um, they should have waited until after the election because obviously, with the death of Justice Scalia in 2016, they set a precedent in which they would wait until after the election. Um, to to nominate a to see the Supreme Court judge, and the fact that they are just rushing the process now, trying to seat her prior to the election this year, um, it just shows. Like I like the term that that Jacob used, raw political calculus. It's just they're just trying to take any any maneuvers possible to do some to set in, to seat Amy Coney Barrett. That way they can advance. Cons- that way the Supreme Court can advance conservative policies in the future. So it just shows that, you know, they're, they're not willing to follow precedent all in the name of, you know, advancing conservative or Republican policies, if that makes sense. Actually, connecting to Justice Scalia, many are calling Amy Coney Barrett the second Edmund Scalia. Do you, do you agree with that statement? Um, so I believe that Justice Scalia and, and Justice, um, or I'm sorry, not Justice um, sorry, Amy Coney Barrett are both originalists. Um, I listened to, actually, I listened to Amy Coney Barrett's, um, uh, uh, monologue at the, at her hearing on day one. And I like the, however, I, I like the, I like the term that she used. She said that while Justice Scalia was a mentor for her and that his, his, his opinions shaped her as a, as a judge, I liked when she said, when if she's seated, they would be getting Judge Barrett and not another Scalia. So um, I like that statement, and I hope that if she's seated, that she sticks to that, that she sticks to her statement, because um, I believe that um, she should, yeah, she should just be herself, you know, if that makes sense. I actually heard that comment as well. I thought, you know, she really put it nicely, but I think actions are, you know, could be entirely different from words. So do mm-hmm. you th- and do you think that 
Amy Coney Bear would actually keep to her word, that she would be different from Antonin Scalia, and what do you think the differences between them are? Um, I think that, I think that, actually, I, now that I think about it deeply, I think that Amy Coney Barrett and Anson Scalia are going to be very, very similar, and they're going to be, they're going to be acting in very similar, if, if Justice Scalia would, was on the court right now, Amy Coney Barrett would be acting in the same way. They're both originalists, um, they're both very conservative, um, Amy Coney Barrett, or there, there have been statements saying that Amy Coney Barrett was, um, against Roe and she are those those are those are contested but there's just there there um there's evidence saying that when she was a law professor at, at the University of Notre Dame um she would make comments criti- criticizing the Affordable Care Act um and how and she would again she would glorify Anton and Scalia so I think that I agree with you Joshua when you say that words are different from actions and now that I think about it, I do think that Amy Coney Barrett and Anson Scalia are going to be Amy Coney Barrett is going to act very, very similar to um, Justice Scalia if she's put on the court. But yeah. But what about you, Joshua or Jacob? What do you guys think? I mean, you know, this as 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 you know, watching the uh, watching the Supreme Court, you know, hearings, it's pretty clear that Amy Coney Barrett is more of a partisan issue, right? Because nobody's done her qualification. She's very well educated. She's had a lot of experience. But it's really become a partisan thing with Democrats facing off against Republicans. And really, there's been there's really been no surprises during these entire hearings, right? Everybody's saying exactly what you would expect them to say. And Democrats have pretty much been exchanging blows over the course of the entire hearing. So what do you think the purpose of a Supreme Court hearing really is? Um. So, so for me, I think that obviously they're just... Obviously, this is a very, like, I agree with you, Joshua. I think that this is a partisan issue, Democrats going against Republicans over the issue of the seating of Amy Coney Barrett. I think that they're just following this Supreme Court hearing um, just just to just to go through the process. Also, I also think that, um, they're, that both sides, the Republicans and Democrats, this is just my opinion. Um, I think that they're, they may be using this Supreme Court hearing to to um sort of sort of um uh impose or show their views on the american people i don't know if that makes sense um but they're like for example when kamala harris uh, um when kamala harris was making a statement during i believe day one of the supreme of this of the hearing of amy tony barrett um she was she made a statement saying that workers rights are at stake the Affordable Care Act is at stake. Women's rights are at stake. Um, I believe that that's an example of the way that um, a, politi- a political party such as the Democrats is using a Supreme Court hearing to to demonstrate to exhibit um, uh, beliefs or, or ideologies or, or um, opinions on the American. So they could show the American. I don't sorry. So they could show the American people certain ideologies or beliefs. I do not know if that makes any sense. I mean, I understand um, what you're saying, right? I, I totally get that. Meaning they're using the the hearings as more of a showcase of their ideology. Exactly. Right? I get that. But it, it's... If I can just play devil, devil's advocate here. I Again, I, I agree that they've they've gone overboard with the Obamacare. And I agree that some of the questions, particularly Feinstein's questions, have been uh, less than sufficient. But someone like Sheldon Whitehouse, who 
went after all the dark money that has been poured into the court nominations over the past 30 years in this country. I think that I think that was a very good showcase of using the moment to really make light on an important issue. I mean, obviously, maybe it wasn't really the best time for it, but he definitely got attention. He definitely got his point across. And there is a merit. There is merit to what some of the idea, there is merit to what they're doing, but I do, I do agree. It, it is a hard line. It is a tricky line to draw. It is tricky with the, given the supposedly consensus process of the, what a normal uh, SCOTUS nomination is supposed to be. I mean, with all that being said, you know, with all this, you know, partisan of all this partisan talk with, Amy Coney Barrett really not discussing her actual stances on things like abortion and really important matters that she would have to deal with. What What is the actual point of a Supreme Court hearing if the American people and everybody involved isn't really learning anything? Well, not helping the fact that Amy Coney Barrett herself did not, did not answer most of the questions that were asked to her. Obviously, there are questions that judges, that j- nominees would want to say, look, I don't know this hypothetical. I'm not going to comment on this hypothetical because that can get me into hot water. But she did that so many times during this hearing that I don't think we really do know a lot about her judicial philosophy. I mean, besides from her take on originalist philosophy. Well, I think her strategy was probably the best thing for her to do. She can't appear to be, I mean, as a judge, naturally, she can't appear to be biased. Therefore, her response reflected that. But uh, Julian, what did you think about that? Did you think she should have given more clear responses? Or do you think her strategy was right for her situation? Um, so I think that, obviously, as a judge, you're supposed to be um, as unbiased as possible and try to keep absent, you know, political leanings from your from your decisions, right? Um um, I believe that there was a, so I think that her, her, her answers in, in which she avoid, she avoided showing her, her opinions or leanings towards certain issues. Um, I think that, that it was right for her in this case, just to showcase her professionalism as a judge. But I also think that to certain questions, she should have given a more direct answer. So like, for example, I think, um, that uh, Senator Feinstein, um, she she asked a question: Does like does the does POTUS have does the president have authority to to de- delay an election? And I believe that um, Amy Coney Barrett said that she would need to hear arguments from from the litigants and and the sides in that Supreme Court case. And she said that she doesn't want judges to be legal pundits. I think that 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 question. Um, in itself should have had a more direct answer. I believe that Amy Coney Barrett should have shown a, a more direct answer. And the fact that she did not give a direct answer to the question as to whether or not POTUS can delay an election just showcases, um, I guess you can say party loyalty towards um, the Republicans because uh, I don't know if you guys remember, I think it was actually today, um, Donald Trump was in the Supreme Court and, and, this, and SCOTUS ruled that that the census of 2020 can, oh, I'm sorry, actually, that's a totally different issue. But 
Um, obviously, no, 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 that's important. That's important. The yeah, the the, the, cens- the census. I mean, that is it's temporarily halted for right now. I mean, it, I think I think it's going back to an appeals court for review mm-hmm. under 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 the process. But yeah, you you're right to bring that up. That that yeah, that that's yeah, an important so- case. I mean, think about the implications of stopping the census now or continuing the census. I mean, every 10 years, we're supposed to count everyone, everyone in the country, because that's what gets us, that's what gets correct federal funding, correct representation. Exactly. And obviously, since since the first census in, I believe, 1790, the federal government has counted both citizens and, and non-citizens. Yet, it's this census that, uh, that Donald Trump is pushing not to count illegal immigrants or undocumented um, individuals living in this country. However, um, like what Jacob said, the federal government is supposed to count everybody. And I think that um, it's important to, to, again, account for, every, for everybody because, again, that, that, would allocate, um, that would allocate appropriate funding towards different departments and organizations. And also just precedent. It's been happening since you know, the first census where we counted both non, undocumented and, and actual citizens. But, um, but yeah, that's just, that's, that's just what I think. But anyway, going just, just so I can finish up my, my little statement on Amy Coney Barrett. So yeah, her, her answer to whether or not POTUS has the authority to delay an election and the, and the fact that she did not give a direct answer combined with the fact that Donald Trump is, is, has been trying to, um, delay an election or mess with elections in, in, in terms of like delaying it. Um, I think that that just demonstrates her loyalty towards the Republican Party. Well, I'm not so sure about but, that um, because yeah. people said the same thing about Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. And when they actually got to the court, it was, they did, they weren't nearly as loyal to the Republican Party and Trump as people anticipated them, as people anticipated. So I just think, and this is my opinion, I just think that if Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed and sits in a Supreme Court, her decisions won't reflect the loyalty to republicanism or to Trumpism, but will just simply reflect her own values, just like with Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Hi, folks. It's Jacob. I'm teaming up with the Jewish Teen Initiative for a breakdown of the 2020 election on Monday, October 26th from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There will be a presentation and a Q&A session afterwards, so be sure not to miss it. If you're a teen and wants to know a bit more about the election, you can sign up at bit.ly slash JTI low key. That's bit.ly slash JTI low key. And now back to the show. Julian, you brought up the, uh, the, the just happened the census ruling. There was another, uh, there was another big battle going on right now about the, um, about mail-in ballots and uh, voting right now, early voting for twenty for the election. Um, we, we, there have been there's been a lot of video right now showing long lines in Texas and Georgia in my in uh, minority communities, uh, te- and uh, the ballot box w- the one ballot box per county controversy in also Texas in that that was over. I'm sorry, also to interrupt just to mention. Uh, also, the false uh, ballot boxes put out by the by the California GOP. You may have uh, encountered this. Yeah, that right. was actually that was um, that was actually big news. It was all over um, the local news last night uh, when I was watching it. Um, there were warnings saying that the Repu- the Republican Party was posting um, 
false um, false ballot boxes all over the state of California, specifically in in my area um, of Southern California, the San Diego Valley. That was been that has been that was very that was very that was very the sorry the presence of false ballot boxes was very prevalent over the past few days. So yeah. Anyway, going back to this to your question, Jacob. Um, what was your question again? I think. Well, what are your thoughts? Because you know, Texas, the one ballot box has been overturned, and then it, and it got then Abbott was not allowed to do it. Then he then now he's back to allow it. Now now he's allowed to do it again. You, you mentioned the California GOP, and you know, because we're also talking about the Supreme Court, this all goes this goes back to Shelby County v. Holder, and I think twenty thirteen where the Roberts court ruled that parts of the Voting Rights Act were invalid, were no longer needed. And considering that, you know, we're facing a nomination right now, but another, another conservative justice, it seems that, you know, in the in election year, it all seems rather prophetic. Yeah. Do you think that, so, so obviously um, there, are, there are contested statements or contested numbers as to whether or not um, Biden is leading the polls, right? Like, um, so do you think that, that this, you know, one ballot box per county and, and the, the actions of the California um, GOP um, placing false ballot boxes, do you guys think that this sort of um, demonstrates how desperate the, the, um, the Republican Party is? I think, think so. What do you, do you guys think? I that? think so. I, I Absolutely. Think so. I, yeah, totally. Because listen, Trump's base, they will go and vote out in person no matter what happens. Even if, even if they have to swim across the river, they will still vote in person no matter what happens. Trump has been trying to close off the vote to the American to many Americans. And it's pretty clear that Trump has had a pretty unsuccessful administration. He's made a lot of blunders. He completely mishandled the pandemic. And Americans know this. And I think Trump's friends and Trump are just really desperate to make sure that they can, you know, bounce the election in their favor, legally or illegally. Yeah, I, I totally, I 100% agree with you guys. I think that, especially yesterday when, when, I, when I was hearing about, when I saw in the news, the fact that the Republican Party was posting false ballot boxes all over the state, I just, that just, it just confirmed, it just confirmed it in my mind that, yeah, the, the Republican Party is getting pretty desperate this election term. Think about the implications for the, um, you know, how this is playing out across the country. I mean, it's tough, right? Because here's the thing. The Republican Party under Trump has kind of been to Trump's well. And I think if this was a, if the Republican Party was in its normal state, like I'm talking like even years before, even several years before Trump was elected, this wouldn't have happened. But Trump himself, he has such a strong desire to win no matter what. He hates losing. We all know that. That because of Trump, the Republican Party is guided to take all these measures, and I think that's simply outrageous. I mean, I disagree. This has been going on for a long time. Uh, long lines, um, uh, purging of voter rolls. This has been going on. It, it's only become this extreme under under Trump because it's been comes so brazen, but. This has been going on. This has been going on for years, and ever since black, black people got the right to vote, it's been happening to them since Reconstruction. So this is this is nothing new. It's just an, an old tactic coming back to coming back to haunt us. Well, well, this election term, we don't have like poll taxes and literary tests that you know African Americans had to you know go through when they first got their voting rights after the Civil War, but. 
there's definitely a suppression of the vote. And it goes back to Shelby County v. Holder. It goes back to the court's gutting of the Voting Rights Act. I mean, I mean Julian, Julian, I've been talking too much. What, what do you think about all this? Yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally um, agree with, with, with you, Jacob. I believe that I, this obviously the, pra- the suppression of, of voting through various means, through various measures, it's been happening, you know, all throughout the history of this country. Especially during, especially after um, black people were given the the right to vote, um, and I think that again it's just coming back to an extreme this election term, just because of how how polarized um, American politics has become just in just very very recently you know especially how how polarized this election term in specific has has become. So I think that it's again it's been happening. It's just coming back to haunt us. It's just becoming the fact that or voting suppression is just becoming very, very extreme this year. So, yeah. Do you think if Trump lost, he would accept the results of the election? Um, uh, I, I do not know, to be honest, because I know that he, I know that he hates to lose. Um, and I know that he hates to lose, but I think that, you know, I, I hope that he can, you know, maintain professionalism and accept the peaceful transition of power. Well, I mean, you know, in terms of reputation-wise, President Trump has not exactly retained professionalism during this presidency. Mm-hmm. But what, what about you, Jacob or Joshua? What do you guys think? Do you guys think that um, he would accept a loss? You know, democracy has always relied on the peaceful transfer of power. You know, Jacob and I actually discussed one time, you know, the bitter uh, campaign between Bill Clinton and George Bush in 1992 and how even though it was a bitter campaign and Bill Clinton beat George Bush, he still peacefully handed over the keys to the White House to Bill Clinton. And I'm really hoping that we see a repetition of that this election, this, this election year. But Trump is somebody who's entirely different from previous presidents. He's a little spont- he's he's spontaneous. We're never exactly sure what he's going to do. And I'm just hoping that he provides if Joe Biden wins a peaceful transfer of power. I mean I I mean I agree really. I mean whatever this guy does, he's not going if he wins, if he if he loses by a landslide, it's going to be like the USFL, and he's just going to walk away and leave every, everyone to die. Literally. That's just because he doesn't care. If, if, it's a, if it's a squeaker, he's going to send Bill Barr out like his, like, a, like, his personal, like his personal Roy Cohn and just and fix the courts like he, like he did with uh, – like they wanted to do with the uh, Pennsylvania ballots that were mistakenly discarded. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, but I think that obviously, if, I think that if it's a landslide, Trump will give it up. But I think that if if it's a if it's a close one, um, I think that that Trump isn't really going to um, accept it totally. Julian, do you have anything to conclude with? Anything you want to last parting words? So yeah, I just want to say, you know. To, to your to your listeners um, I think that that if they are I believe that if they enjoy the Gen Zers talk politics podcast 
Um, I believe that they may be able to find my podcast, the the Unprofessional Analyst, enjoyable as well, as um, our two podcasts um, touch on similar topics and and vote if you can. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who who you who you support. Voting is is you know is imperative to the democratic process. So vote. that concludes this episode of Gen Zero Talk Politics. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And send us any and all questions regarding the news or politics, because your questions make the show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.